0: morning. So a few years ago, I was at this uh, leadership summit, and uh, there was two sessions. There was one in the morning and one in the evening. Thank you. So I was at the morning session, and the guy who was leading this was a bunch of Christian leaders that were there. The guy who was leading it, he just points out to one of the guys sitting out there, and he says, okay, you're, you're going to do devotions tonight for the night session. And I remember the guy's like, uh, I'm not really comfortable with that. I don't think I want to do that. And he says, wait a minute. He says, you're telling me, out of this entire Bible, you can't find two verses to share with this group that would be an encouragement to them? And he said, oh, I, I could do that. I could find two verses to encourage people. He said, okay, then you're doing tonight's encouragement. He so come up with two verses. And I'll never forget the simplicity of that message, because the simplicity... Is a good lesson for all of us, but it's also sort of what I want to bring today, and that is as we wrap up 2017 and we start a new year, my hope is that just by looking at a couple verses that I can just bring some encouragement to you today. And I hope that we can encourage each other as a church family as we look into God's Word and just take a real simplistic approach, take a look at a couple verses in Scripture, and be encouraged by that. This is the last sermon of 2017 for our church, and this is our, we're completing our first calendar year in our new building. We are really blessed people. We are a blessed church family to be here. I like to think of life as chapters in a book, and every year that goes by, we sort of complete another chapter. Now, if you're really lucky, you're on chapters like 10 through 20. Those are really good chapters. Uh, If you've had a really full life and you've lived a full life, you're writing some higher chapters. If you're like me, uh, hopefully... You know, you're right in the middle. I'm writing almost chapter 50 coming up here is pretty soon. But you start to, to get to the point where, you know, you have these chapters. And some people's books are smaller than others. Some people get a very long book with a lot of chapters. And some people get a much shorter one. But when you think of life as chapters, one of the things that you can do is you can reflect on the past year. And you can reflect on some things that God has taught you. In preparing for this message, I took a couple books off my shelves and just said, well, let me see what some different chapter titles are. Because if you think, like, in a book, besides numbers, there's usually some kind of little phrasing that goes along with each chapter. So some of the ones I looked up it said, uh, Who am I? Facing Giants. The Voices of Negativity. God's Got It. Patterns. Be Who You Are. Driven. Mistakes. Finding My Way Again. All different titles for chapters, and you could probably title your life a certain year. You might be able to title it as one of these chapters. I was think- when I was thinking of this, I was thinking uh, back in 1990 um, was a very significant year for me because it was the year where God really called me into full-time youth ministry to work with students. And for me, that was a big change. And I I might call that chapter a life change or a new calling or something like that. But it was a very significant year for me. So when you think about 2017 and the last year, was it a significant year for you? What would you title it? What would your title be for the last year? Think about that for a minute. 2017. Some people end a year and they feel like they're standing on a pile of garbage. Some people end a year and they feel like they're standing on a pile of blessings. It's all how you look at it, but it's all part of our development. It's all part of this process that God has us in to develop us and bring us into the people that He wants us to be. We call that in biblical terms the sanctification process. The sanctification process means the word sanctification actually means to be set apart consecrated for God's holy purposes it's a process that God takes us through he knocks the rough edges off of our lives and he shapes us and molds us into the people that he wants us to be Romans eight twenty nine says for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son It's saying that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are being conformed into his image. Now, positionally, you're already sanctified, just like this verse says, for those he foreknew, he predestined, meaning you are already made righteous before God because of the blood of Christ. Because of your acceptance of Christ as your Savior. That's what we call positional sanctification. Positionally, you are sanctified by believing in Christ. But then there's a process of sanctification. And the process is what we go through day by day as we live our lives in this broken world. And the trials and the different things that we face knock off those rough edges. And they mold us and shape us into the image that he wants us to be. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It produces something in us. It changes us. It aids us in the sanctification process when we get into trials, when we have different problems that we face, because God is working through us. So no matter where you end your year, God has still been working in your life this year. We can take great comfort in Philippians 1.6 where it says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's doing that work in you. So with that in mind, I ask you again. 2017, what would your title be? If you think about your life, if you think about everything that happened from January until today, December 31st, what would your title be? Would it have something to do with turmoil? Maybe being blessed beyond words? Or just coasting through another year? Nothing really great happened. Nothing really bad happened. I just kind of coasted through the year. What would your title be? What's the thing that, that God took you through? If you have your bulletins, take them out because I put a little outline in there and the idea that I wrote in your outline says your next chapter is not defined by the journey but by the end. So if you had a really bad year the last couple paragraphs you might write in the chapter for 2017 is I had a bad year but on the last day I went to church and got things right before the Lord and I ended the year on a good note. Because where you end is really more important than all the stuff that happened in between. This was so true when you read Luke 23 and you read about the thief on the cross. Jesus is being crucified between two criminals. One starts cursing Jesus. The other defends Jesus and says he's never, he hasn't done anything wrong. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Savior, would you please remember me when you enter your kingdom? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. This criminal on the cross, we don't know anything about him. We don't know what crimes he committed. We don't know what horrific acts he did. The only thing we know is that he was being punished for his crimes next to an innocent man. But Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Today you'll be with me in paradise. See, his ending was so much more important than all the other stuff that happened in between. So, when we end the year, when you think about wrapping up 2017, it's really important where we end. Because where we end is where we'll start when we start 2018, when we turn that next chapter in our books. So, as I said earlier, my goal today was just to encourage you, just to look at four simple verses in Scripture, just go right through them, and hopefully bring you some encouragement as we wrap up this year. So if you have your Bibles uh, or your phones or whatever you use, please open up to Romans 8. We're just going to take a look at four simple verses. Follow along as I read in Romans 8, 5 through 8. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes this letter to the Roman church... And he writes this particular paragraph to give it a little bit of context. Paul is not talking about two different kinds of believers. The contrast that he has here is someone who has no faith, who doesn't believe in Christ, who doesn't believe in God, versus someone who does believe in God versus someone who does believe in Christ. So the contrast isn't necessarily for us as a church family to think, well, as a Christian, I can live this way or live that way. The contrast for us really as a church family is to think about there is a way that people live who don't believe in God. There is a way that people live who don't have Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is the contrast that the Apostle Paul is laying out in these verses. Point number one in your outline says, in your next chapter, watch how you live let's look at Romans eight five, just the first verse it says for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit Obviously, you can see the contrast there, and he's talking about living according to the flesh or the spirit. And that can be sort of a tricky thing to wrap your head around. Sometimes we read passages of Scripture and we're like, what is he really saying here? Those who live according to the flesh, what what does that mean to live according to the flesh? Well, to break it down in the most simplest terms, it means living for your own comfort, living for things that please you, living for things that make you more comfortable. And boy, when things don't go your way or when you're not comfortable, watch out. Because that's when all the impatience and everything else comes out of you and all the negative stuff comes out. Because when we live according to the flesh or if we have a mindset of the flesh, we are living for our own comfort. There's no bigger perspective. The only perspective is, it's me and I'm uncomfortable, so I'm unhappy. And people who live according to the flesh, that's how they live. They live ultimately for their own comfort. Whether that's wealth, whether that's food on the table, you can pick whatever poison you want there, but it's for their own comfort. And that's someone who lives according to the flesh. In contrast, we have people who live according to the Spirit. And living according to the Spirit, we have a bigger perspective that, yes, we may be uncomfortable, but God's doing a great work in me being uncomfortable, and I can have peace in that that God is doing something great when I was working in camping ministry I remember there was this kid who came every year his, his name was Keith and I always remember Keith because he had one of those wallets with the chain that came down and Keith from the moment he got to camp he would take that chain off of his wallet and he would put it through his nose and then bring it out his mouth and he could run it back and forth which somebody said I shouldn't say that in church but that's what, that's what the kid used to do and uh, that's why he stood out, though. He was like a big showman kind of thing. And I remember every year, Keith, from the time like, that he was 11 or 12, he came to camp every year all the way through being a teenager. And you could tell Keith was struggling with life. He was struggling with the friends that he chose. He was struggling with the bad things that he was involved with. But it was a struggle. And he would come to camp, and he would get around other Christians and get around Christian leaders, and he would say, I just want to live different." I just want to live my life different. I just wish that things weren't the way they were. And we would encourage him and pray for him and write him letters. And Keith would go back to his home environment. And the next year, he'd come back to camp and he would say the same thing. He'd say, yeah, I really messed up. I had a bad year. Things didn't go the way, I you know. But I really want to live for Christ. I really want to make some changes. And we encourage him. I remember after three or four years of this, my friend Mike finally got right in his face. We were at a campfire and Keith's like, well, I just wanted to say, you know, I really want to live for the Lord. And my friend Mike says, Hey Keith, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't want to hear it anymore. Because every year you come here and you do the same thing. You tell us how you want to live different. You want your life to be different. And then you go back and you do all the same things that you did before. If you want to live different, you have to be different. You have to be different in who you are and be different in how you approach things. And you need to be different in that your life needs to be sold out to Christ. You know, this kid's ultimate problem was going back and living different among his friends was going to make him uncomfortable. It was going to be uncomfortable to live different. It was going to be uncomfortable to take a stand and not do the things that he was doing before. He was living according to the flesh. Because when we live according to the Spirit, we might be uncomfortable. But we have a better perspective because we know that God is shaping us and molding us into the person that he wants us to be. 1 Corinthians 2.14 sort of reminds us of this, where it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. When you talk to a person like that who's, who's really living in the flesh, living really for their own comfort, it's hard for them to understand why you would sacrifice or why you would live a different way or why you wouldn't say certain things or why you wouldn't do certain things. Because that might make you uncomfortable to live that way. But when we live according to the Spirit, it's not about our comfort anymore. It's about living in a way that pleases God. If you really want your next chapter to be different in 2018... You need to watch how you live. You need to be different if you want to live different. Point number two in your outline says, in your next chapter, watch how you think. Watch the things that you set your mind on. Let's look at Romans 8, 6. We'll just look at one more verse where it says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace there is a peace that comes when we set our mind on the things of the spirit and I've sort of mentioned it alluded to it in the last part where when you are living in chaos or you have chaos all around you but your mind is on the spirit you can see a bigger purpose and with that purpose comes peace That's really what this verse is alluding to when you look at it. It says, For to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. You're at peace even though there's chaos going on because you know that there's a bigger person controlling everything. There's a bigger purpose for stuff. Wasn't this really the problem of the rich young ruler? You know, ultimately he tried to claim to Jesus, that he did all these things. No, I obeyed the Ten Commandments and I've done all this stuff since I was very young. But Jesus, knowing his heart, cuts right to the heart of the matter and says, yeah, but there's still one thing you lack. You need to sell everything you have, give to the poor and follow me. And he wouldn't do it. Because ultimately, that rich ruler, although he was trying to live a moral lifestyle, he still had something in his heart that was between he and the Lord. And his comfort was found in his riches. And Jesus said, until you're willing to surrender that, you are still living according to the flesh. Even though you appear to be moral, you still are living according to the flesh. Because there's a peace that comes in your life when you live according to the Spirit. Living according to the flesh is caring for your own interests, putting your interests above everyone else's, finding that you find yourself in prideful positions and lifting yourself up, maybe being envious of other people, and all of these things lead us away from God. They don't lead us to God. We need to watch how we think. In the next chapter that we have in 2018, how we think is really going to affect how we live. You know, this is an easy thing for all of us to, find in, to fall into, and this is why I really wanted to use this passage, because for us as Christians, it's a warning for us to be careful, because you and I can become carnal thinkers very easily. It's easy to start thinking a whole lot more of yourself than you really are, and we can fall into this trap of not thinking in the Spirit anymore, but thinking in the flesh. Years ago, I had this side job where I worked with this uh, conference company, and we would go to these big hotel rooms and set up these big ballrooms and run a conference, uh, a national conference, and all these churches would come from around, the, from around the country to it. If you're unfamiliar with that, you go to a nice hotel, and there's a big ballroom, and uh, you go in, you pull up lights, and they have different uh, speakers that come out and different Christian bands. And I remember early on, when I first got the job with this company, I'd kind of climbed the ranks within a few years, and they said, hey, uh, well, we can't give you a but we're going to give you a title And I said, okay, well that sounds good So they gave me the title of producer General session producer of these things I said, okay, now we're getting somewhere right? I'm producer of the session now So they gave me this title And they said the next conference is going to be in Kansas City We're going to fly into Kansas City We're going to go in there and We're going to set up this conference And I'm a few years into this thing And I'm thinking, wow, this, this is great So I get to the airport And they bump me up to first class Oh, that's great, right? I'm flying first class now. It's going to Kansas City, but it's still first class. So I get on the plane. Sorry if you're from Kansas City and I just insulted you. I didn't, I didn't mean anything by that. I get on the plane, fly first class into Kansas City. I get there, and there's a guy there, and he's got the little card with my name on it. Mr. Jarvis Producer. He's holding it up. Now we're getting somewhere. I get. Down. I'm the producer, Mr. Jarvis, right here. Okay, sir, get in the car. I'm going to take you. Takes me to the hotel. Get to the hotel. Go to the to check-in. Oh, Mr. Jarvis, we have your room. We heard you, are the producer. We gave you a presidential suite. This is really. This is great. Uh, this this title is the best thing to ever happen to me ever. So I go in. It's all marble floors. This this Man, this room is beautiful. So I say, okay, I better get down and check out the situation in the ballroom because we got to get that set up for the conference. I go down there. It is the worst ballroom I have ever seen in my life. It looks like a basement warehouse. There's nothing. There's nothing pretty in there. It looks terrible. There's no paint on the walls. And I hear the guys in the corner saying, Oh, our producer's here. He'll fix it up and make it look nice. (laughs) I didn't bring anything with me. I'm looking around this place. It looks terrible. I don't even know what to do. So then they're walking towards me. And here it's like the director of the thing. And he says, Well, what do you want to do with the room? And I'm drawing blanks. I got no idea so I start double talking and yeah oh we got it no problem don't worry about it and meantime I'm sweating like crazy I'm sweating because I've never seen a ballroom look this bad this is a national conference there's thousands of people coming in from all over the country and it looks awful and I have no clue I'm in so far over my head they walk away now I'm starting to feel sick like i want to go back to my room and work on some of the designs and I'm walking back to the room and um, I'm getting sicker and sicker I get back to the room and I really got sick And then the toilet broke in the room. So I called down the maintenance. I said, hey, the the toilet broke in the presidential suite. And the guy comes up and he says, "Ah, we can't fix it. We got to, next thing you know, they're taking the toilet out. The guy's cutting the tile out of the room. I'm laying on the floor. I'm dying. This is the worst scenario ever. (laughs) Big producer, right? Give a guy a title. Luke 14.11 says, For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we live in the flesh, we're thinking about ourselves, what we can do, how great we are, all the ways that God's gifted us and talent and gave us talents and gave us things that we can do. How might that scenario have been so different if I had grabbed those guys and said, You know what? I don't know what to do in this room. This is kind of a mess. Why don't we pray about it? Let's ask what the Lord wants. Let's sit together and ask what God wants us to do. It was a good lesson for me. It was a lesson that I'll never forget. God gave me some good things in there to help me remember it. But the point is we need to be humble. We can't live according to the flesh. If we live according to the flesh, we're no different than anybody else. And when God saves you through the redemption of his Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins and for my sins, we need to think different. We need to think like the Spirit, like someone who has the Spirit. And the way that we do that is by focusing on the Spirit. What do those things look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, the fruit of the Spirit. All those things are things that God wants to see in our lives. And when we think any other way, we're not humble. We're not humble before the Lord, and we're just asking for disaster. James 4, 7 just reminds us to stay, stay humble. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do we resist the devil? By keeping our minds on the Spirit. Point number three in your outline says, in your next chapter, submit yourself to God. So we need to watch how we live. We need to watch how we think. And in the next chapter, we need to fully submit our lives to God. What does it mean to submit your life to God? Let's look at Romans 8, 7. It says, For the mind that is set on the flesh, on my comfort and the things that I want, is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. People who live according to the flesh, there's no way... That you can be submissive to God's law because you're still living for yourself. I think one of the most interesting guys that we can study in the Bible is Moses. I've always loved reading about Moses because to me, the life of Moses is a life that we can all gain so much from. The first 40 chapters of Moses' life, Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace. If you remember the story, they were slaughtering all the Israelite uh, male babies. Moses' mom puts him in a basket. He goes in the Nile River. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. She raises him in the palace. For 40 years of his life, Moses is raised in royalty. And you think he didn't have a reputation and wasn't well-known? People knew who Moses was. He was one of the royalty who grew up in the palace. You think he didn't have special privileges? I bet you Moses had a lot of special privileges. He could walk in and out of a palace that nobody uh, nobody else could walk in and out of. Moses' life was so interesting because for 40 years he was the rising rock star Israelite. There's probably a lot of people who wanted to be like Moses. They thought, wow, this guy, you know, he's amazing. He's an Israelite, but he could also come in and out of the palace as he pleases. And as Moses is on the rise, he lives according to the flesh because he sees what he perceives as injustice. When he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite, he intervenes and he kills the Egyptian. And buries him in the sand. And how arrogant to think he could get away with it. Until somebody calls him out and says, Oh, you're going to kill me like you did that other Egyptian? And once Moses knows it's, it's seen, he flees. And for the next 40 years, Moses watches sheep. So for 40 years, he is a rising rock star. And then for 40 years, he opens up a gate and he lets the sheep go out. He closes the gate and he opens up the gate and lets the sheep come in. For 40 years, day in and day out. What do you think his titles of those chapters would be for 40 years? I would say to you that God had him in the sanctification process in those years. Chipping off the rough edges, molding and shaping Moses into the person that he wanted him to be. 40 years he's the rising rock star 40 years he's just a guy who's watching sheep and God is chipping away those rough edges little by little and then things start to really get interesting when Moses turns 80 at 80 years old he sees a burning bush and it changes everything and God calls him to do one of the most miraculous things recorded in all of scripture and Moses leads the Israelites out of bondage numbers twelve three says no one was more humble on the face of the earth than Moses at 80 years old God uses him to do the most miraculous thing after 80 years of being sanctified of being chipped away at finally Moses is at the point where he's going to submit himself to God even all the excuses he throws out there God doesn't take any of them he says okay you're ready to submit now? Moses, I'm ready to use you to do something great. Moses dies at age 120. His life is broken down into 40-year increments. And in each one of those 40 years, God's doing something different in his life and molding and shaping him into the person that he wants him to be. I think in New Jersey, one of the last true holdouts of pure anarchy is the traffic circle. And if you drive from here, right on Route 70, go towards Lakehurst, there's probably four or five of them, and you will see no more anarchy than in a traffic circle. And if you don't believe me, sit out here in our church parking lot, because we put one in for you. (laughs) And some of you don't know how to use that circle. I've seen it. I'm not going to name names. But until somebody yields, there's chaos, I watched a lady make a left turn into a traffic circle a couple weeks ago. I've never seen anything like it. She went right up and made the left. Thank goodness there was no traffic coming the other way. Until somebody yields, there's chaos. Someone's going to get hurt. Bad things are going to happen. There's going to be an accident. You're going to be holding your hand over your eyes because you don't want to see what's coming. Until you submit your life there's going to be chaos. There's going to be an accident. If somebody doesn't yield, if we don't yield our lives, if we don't submit ourselves to Christ, if we don't submit ourselves to God in the way that we live and the way that we think, there's going to be chaos. And maybe you're here today and 2017 has been a year of chaos. But you're in a good place now you're in a place where you can end 2017 and say, okay, had a bad year. But 2018 is going to start off on the right foot. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When I think of that verse in contrast to Romans 8.8, 8, the last verse of the passage we read, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's a good challenge for us. It's a good thing to be reminded of as we wrap up a year and start another one. In the new chapter in your story in 2018, there will be drama. There will probably be some comedy. There will probably be heartbreak. Surprises, unexpected twists and turns and maybe even a few lessons that God's trying to teach you. But if you watch how you live and if you watch how you think and if you submit yourself to God you won't be disappointed because you'll be living in the spirit and the spirit sees things totally different than the flesh. You start to understand that you have a great God that loves you that cares for you that is shaping you and molding you into the person that he wants you to be it's the difference between ending a year and feeling like you're standing on a pile of garbage versus a pile of blessings what a great way to end things and start things the last question is is it going to be I will or thy will which way is it going to be for 2018 God's writing a new chapter tomorrow you wake up we all start a new chapter we start a new day let's pray Lord I thank you for the church family I thank you that we could all be here and look into your word and uh, God be encouraged by it your word encourages more than anything else I pray that 2018 would just be a great year ahead it would be a year where you use us to do great things for your kingdom not because we're great but because we're humble and we submit ourselves to you and because we serve a great God. Lord, I pray for each person here. I pray for those that have struggled through 2017 and it's been a hard year on them and they really needed just to be here one more time to know that they have a God that loves them and they can get a fresh start. God, I pray for those that are here and feel so blessed because you did such great things for them in 2017. I pray to keep going, keep staying close to you. And God, I pray for all of us for these sanctification lessons and the process that you have us going through where you're knocking off the rough edges and molding us and shaping us into the person that you want us to be. God, we thank you for our church family. We thank you for the blessing of being in this building for a full year. God, you have done great things and we're privileged to be a part of it. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And we submit our lives to you. We pray this in your name, amen.